Welcome to the fish meeting. Four friends and disciples of Jesus Christ have been meeting and discussing God's word over the past 10 years with over 100,000 minutes together studying the scripture. And now they are making that study available to you. Listen in as they bring the Bible into their everyday lives. Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, mighty God, thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. Thank you for, for waking us up this morning. Every breath that we breathe, Lord, is, is your gift to us. So we thank you that we are alive and we are gathering around your word to learn, to motivate each other, to, to look at the scriptures, Lord, in the light of how the gospel writers wrote these, and then find out those big wisdom nuggets for ourselves, how to apply to our lives. So we pray that you bless this study, Lord, as we go deeper into your word, and we pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to us and guide us in our conversation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so we, uh, we're going to continue on in that uh, Harmony of the Gospels. And last week we left off with, the, uh, with, the, uh, with the Jesus casting out the demons in the land of the Gadarenes. And um, let's just remind us of uh, what that was. Uh, the last part of that was in Luke um, chapter 8. And uh, this is when they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met with demon-possessed man from the town. And uh, I think we talked a little bit about how um, it didn't even seem to be surprising when they came across these demon-possessed people. And um, you know, I think in most um, parts of our society, at least here in the United States, um, most people don't think about demon possession. You know, there's other other explanations for things, but you know, how often do we find uh, do we come across people that are demon possessed and don't even know it? I wonder. Yeah, I think that's well, a, Go ahead, Sherry. I was just going to say, well, I think that we put names to it that don't say demon possessed, but there's other names for it. I think there's a lot of illness, physical and mental, and and sometimes people that are completely dependent on substances. There's a part of me that thinks that that's all where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. So I I have a. Uh, I have seen this, like Tim was saying, that we don't see here in the United States. Uh, when I was growing up in India and as a little kid, so our house was somewhere on the outskirts of the city. And when we would go from this main part of the city to our house, on the way, there was uh, uh, some kind of a, it was a orphanage come mental institution, but not like a psychiatry hospital or anything. And, and, and there, some of these people would be actually in chains. So just like the, the Bible talks here, uh, I, I've seen like that. So these people would be in chains and, and, uh, and, and they scream and they say all kinds of things, just like how we, we read in the Bible. So, uh, so I have some experience of this. And then here in the U.S., obviously, we don't see this kind of thing. And I don't know, back home in India also probably, they don't see anymore. This I'm talking about like 40, 45 years back. Uh, yesterday, I was in a prayer meeting, and there somebody brought another lady, and they said, oh, we're going to pray for her. And that's what they said she has. They said she has some evil spirits. 
you know. And I was sitting in the back and just observing her. And at the time, I didn't know what they, they want, want to pray for, for this lady. But I saw how she was sitting. She was like visibly scared. And, and I would see that she, was, she would shiver from time to time. And it was a very strange behavior. Uh, but the main thing I could gather was that she's very fearful. So, so, so there are a lot of those kind of things that probably we, we see around us all the time, but they don't uh, reach the, the dramatic effect of how the Bible talks about this person here. Yeah, we, we, uh, I think last week we talked about how we can become desensitized because of um, you know, the horror movies and even cartoons. And you know, I, was, uh, I, was, uh, I saw a YouTube video pop up yesterday that talked about how, um, how uh, um, what store they used. I can't remember the word they used, but morbid, I think. How morbid is the game Hangman that we play in elementary schools to teach kids vocabulary? You know, drawing a picture of a guy hanging on a gallows. So uh, maybe we see it and just don't know it. But um, I think that if demon possession is not happening, the question would be, why did it stop? Right? And sadly, I think uh, if it stopped, it's because uh, the devil doesn't need to attack anything, right? And that would mean that... Um, you know, that, that the efficacy for the gospel of Christ is diminished, which I think would be sad. Yeah. So I'm wondering, Sunil, when you discussed what you saw, a couple things came to my mind. One is, um, I wonder if that's happening in some areas of homelessness. I don't know that world well, but what I have seen a little bit of it, there can be folks that are um, acting in ways which we would not not feel is normal normal behavior they lash out at people they and I'm wondering if some of these folks haven't been marginalized because of their demon possession um, because they find it very difficult to people don't accept them in um, you know normal society whatever whatever that means um, and I'll stop there and, and see if you guys want to comment. And then I have just one other thing to share about Senegal. You know, I, I, I agree. There is uh, this element of demon possession. And in, in a lot of uh, these groups where you can see, first, <laughs> people lose their dignity. You know, they, they don't even feel that or they need to do anything. And God's not making them lose their dignity. It has to be the other force. And, and then there is a lot of self-destructive behavior. You mentioned lashing out at others, but some of these people are cutting themselves and uh, all kinds of other self-destructive behavior. And again, God's not going to uh, you know, motivate us to do any of that. It's going to be the other force, which is... Uh, the devil, what we call, and we can call them demons. So, yes, it's... Uh, now, the society obviously shuns them because uh, it could be that they themselves have a lot of fear in them, so they are afraid of these people. I think of the Christians having a role here, or the church having a role here, and the example is Jesus. Uh, this uh, demoniac in the land of Gadarenes that we are seeing here, Jesus didn't approach him like anybody 
else, everybody else was shunning him, and Jesus was not afraid of it. So, so as Christians, uh, I know this is a, a little specialized subject, so I don't know much about it, uh, but we read in the Bible, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I think if anybody can look at these people with some sympathy and empathy, it should be us. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think we see yeah. that through the story. Uh, go ahead, Sherry. Sherry, were you going to add something? No, that was me, Tim. Um, the other Sherry. Uh. <laughs> 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 um, so the other thing I wanted to just share was the last time I was in Senegal, uh, one of the men who had previously come to Christ had started acting very bizarrely. And um, his friends brought him to us and shared that he was um, being um, filled with demons, that he had demons possessing him. And, of course, it happened at night when most of the um, group was gone. They went to another village, and it was uh, just a couple of the women who had stayed back because of other things that we were doing. And then uh, I don't even remember which men were were back with us, but maybe it was one one man. And you know how our tents are in that center courtyard. Um, so we were in our tent. This man with the demons his friends, some other um, local Christians were there, and they decided they were going to try to perform an exorcism. And I have to tell you, I was in my tent, and I was, the the noises that we heard, the sounds that we heard, of course, they were speaking in a language that I don't understand, so that amplifies it even more. Um, But it was a, a little frightening and when the the leaders of the group came back they were quite um, upset that it was happening there because of you know those those demons end up going somewhere and they were saying you know how how if you're not prepared and and you're not covered correctly sometimes they can come into to you and so they were they were um, upset so it was quite a that was my only experience where um, you know, similar to this, but it was kind of, it was a little scary. But that's exactly what I was thinking when you started to tell that story, that they were doing it in that courtyard. I thought, <clears throat> you know, thinking about what we said about the pigs, that they banished the demons out into the pigs, I thought, oh, my gosh, that could have happened to you and the other lady that stayed back. Yeah. But, you know, when, Sunil, when you were telling the story about the lady in church that was shaking, all I could picture how, how great that was that the, the demons were shaking in their boots because they were going to get prayed over. I just was like, that's so, I was like, yeah, I love to see it. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that lady, uh, when she left, she left in good spirit. She left smiling, uh, I, uh, maybe some more prayer and, you know, these uh, some uh, effort is needed to keep her like that, but... But it was amazing to see the difference uh, the, she was like. And, and I was surprised because uh, this is the first time I saw somebody there that they said, oh, I'm suffering from this. And, and I came to know later, but I was observing her. I said, why is she so scared, this lady? And she looked visibly scared. And she would even look from the corner of her eyes 
and so 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 you can tell that something is definitely wrong with her. Uh, and then after being prayed, and she did shake a lot and all that, and she calmed down. And then uh, we even asked her to say hallelujah and you know praise God and all. Because when you start in that kind of a, uh, if you say these things, you know, that that changes stuff inside of you. So, so when she left, she was smiling and did look normal. Wow. So <clears throat> I know that you guys remember when I told you about when I worked for the psychiatric hospital, having to do that research, I helped with the research and that the devil worshiping thing that kind of happened there. Yeah. And my job was to come up with symbolism so that we can <clears throat> tell in some of the markings and, and things that were being kind of put, put around town. And, but during that process, I can tell you, and I think, I can't remember who said it earlier, but part of that, that wasn't what I was looking for, but part of it was gnashing of teeth, the, the uh, lunging like an animal, um, self-destruction, and anything, any behaviors that are knowingly would upset other people is also signs of things, behavior and stuff that you would have to watch. Now, the counselors, the therapists, and the um, social workers, of course, did a lot of that type of research. Mine was just in signs and symbols. But <clears throat> I remember coming across it and thinking, there are so many people in prison that act like that, you know, that are self-destructive yeah. and want to harm others. And that was all kind of depicted in there as behaviors that are indicative of people that are not fully possessed but that have demonic um, behaviors and attitudes that can either be, I think what it said was, can either be dealt with in a way that could diminish it or could actually make it a lot worse. I mean, if you think about our society now, anybody who's on that fence, you know, probably is a lot worse. Yeah. that uh, The prison that we go into for uh, mission work, um, I didn't, I didn't get the chance to experience this because they closed it down before I started going in, but, some of the guys that we go in, that go in with me, or that I go in with, um, they got to go in the, the psychiatric um, cell block, and uh, they said it's just, you know, I mean, being in, in prison anyway is, you know, you can sense the, you know, the evil activity, but um, but in that cell block, I said, was just, it's it's the feeling, you can't even just, you can't even put it into words. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the prisons, psychiatric institutions, the homeless, and politics. I think that's pretty much covers it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I said earlier that, you know, uh, one reason we might not see the, you know, the demon possession, possession activity as frequent here as some other parts of the world um, might be because we're not, you know, working as hard for Christ as they were back then. But there, it could be the other side, too. It could be that, you know, because... You know, I do a lot of mission work now in Rwanda, and and we don't see the same things in Rwanda that we that we did in Senegal, or even you know in that place like the prison. So it could be that you know in Rwanda is 98% Christian. So it could be uh, like we see here uh, that when Jesus is called into people's lives on a frequent basis, that that's the reason because these these demons are 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 fearful of them. You know, it says uh, in this scripture here in Luke, uh, for a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he lived in the tombs. That just gives you a really good mental picture of, you know, where, what how this guy was acting. But what he's, in verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, 
shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. So you, you can see the, you know, the, the, the submissive or the, sub, sub, you know, the subordinate position that these demons are when compared to Christ. So that's the answer, right? To so get the demons out, call Christ in. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with him. I think we don't see it in the United States that much. It's not that it's not here. We have right. here too, but not like to that magnitude because uh, the gospel is here. And even if, you know, some people don't follow it, there are plenty of people who follow it. And, and in a lot of other places, it's the opposite of that. They have a very small number of Christian people and everything is, uh, you know, coming from another source. And, uh, and fear sometimes is palpable in people and societies there. And, and, and I do have some experience growing up there. So uh, fear is one thing that people just grow up with fear there. Because right from childhood, you actually hear about this demonic things. And even their uh, stories and stuff that they tell or are part of their culture has a lot of demonic stories in there. So, so everybody kind of grows up in fear as part of their normal life. And, and fear is bondage. So, yeah. so there's something there that, you know, right from the beginning, people start in bondage, which is not, uh, in, in this culture here in America, People are, you know, children don't hear these kind of things at all. So they are growing up uh, in, in, in lack of fear. And, 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 of course, with their choices, they can still go back into that kind of world. But, yeah, thank God for not having this much activity here. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and there's another part of this in Luke that's different, I think, than the other Gospels that um, depict a story. And so we'll just read on just a couple, a couple more verses. It says, For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had, driven, and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Of course, we read this last time too, Legion, right? He replied, because many demons had gone into him. And then this is, the, this is the way it was worded a little differently. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. And um, I think that's an interesting uh, uh, word there. I think it ties to, you know, what we read in Revelation. And this is in Revelation chapter 9. When the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss, this place where the demons are saying to Jesus, don't cast us into this abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down to earth and were given power like the scorpions of the earth. So, you know, um, I don't necessarily want to turn it into a study of Revelation, but we can see in... You know, in the time of the Great Tribulation, we talk about the Battle of Armageddon. You know, we can we can start to see why things get so bad on the earth because, in some cases, these fallen angels or these demons, or the you know the minions of Satan that have been cast out of people, have been cast into the abyss. That's the that's the uh, that's what's implied by this verse. They begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. They wouldn't have been doing that had they not witnessed this happen in the past, right, or heard about it. And then when we get to Revelation and 
um, you know, the the great the start of the great tribulation, we can see that abyss that has been the the holding place for some of these exercised demons is opened, and then. Uh, that's why things get so bad. Yeah, while doing a study study on Revelation, I uh, heard this, uh, the teacher was saying, and he explained it, this abyss, which in some other places it's called the bottomless pit. Right. Uh, and he said that all these, <laughs> the term he used was heavy-duty demons. He said they're all imprisoned there. And so two interesting things that I'm noticing here is, one, that Jesus listened to their requests and did not send them to the abyss. And the second, that they had to inhabit something that they, you know, humans, humans or even animals, they had there in animals. Like, you know, they went into the pigs. So, so very interesting there. Like, and it's hard to kind of understand all that. But yeah, well, it's mercy, right? Even, even for the most wicked. So they did come out of the abyss? No, not yet, but but they mentioned the abyss, right? Um, and, and, you know, this is a place that was created in order to keep Satan in chains, right? And, and, uh, and it's not only um, later that he gets chained there, right? Some of them are, are being imprisoned in the abyss now. Um, but in the time of Revelation, the abyss gets opened. And, the, and then it describes the smoke. You know, and I don't think it says explicitly that the demons are let out, but it does say Satan is at that time, right? And, and, uh, and it describes the smoke coming out and the locusts. And it just, you know, it seems logical to me that that's those demons that have been imprisoned there, um, you know, during, during a human's time on earth. Yes, yeah, so I looked up abyss in the Bible, and there are, um, it looks like there's about 17 verses that mention it, and they're kind of, Interesting. Yeah. Um, just out of context, though. So, you know, I don't know, but... Um, Which version of the Bible did you search? In? Um, I searched this. This came from um, BibleKnowing-Jesus.com. Okay. Anyway, it said, um, Joel, the netherworld, the place of the dead. So I'm assuming that means dead, dead. And Second Abaddon, dead. Yep, the abyss, the place of eternal punishment, lie open before the Lord how much more the hearts and inner motives of the children of men. That was Proverbs 15:11, And it also says, um, this one's interesting. Romans 10:7 says, who will go down into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead? That's got to be completely out of context. Yeah. That's when they asked him, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's when they were, um, that's when they were saying that is to bring Christ up from the dead. And then <clears throat> there's another part of that that says to bring him down from heaven. Right, so it was talking about you know don't uh, don't misunderstand who Christ is. Yeah, but, and I'll tell you, you. Oops, sorry, go ahead. What Romans verse was that? Um, ten seven. And if you don't think that um, the abyss is hot, listen to this. This is Revelations nine two. He opened the shaft of the abyss, and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace, so that the sun. And the air were darkened by the smoke from it. So if, if the sun's not hot enough for you, just go down to the abyss on vacation and right. you might not like it. That's right. Yeah, this was the context of the uh, Romans verse. It says, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. 
So, you know, uh, if you think about the, uh, the, the apostles that said, uh, that asked a question, you know, who, or the mother of the apostles that said, you know, place my sons at your right and your left. Right? Um, you know, if we think, um, who is it that deserves to go to heaven, right? Who's good enough to go to heaven? Don't say that. That is to bring Christ down. Or don't say who will descend into the deep, you know, who's going to go to hell. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message concerning the faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's talking about the faith in Christ as the difference maker, not, you know, not trying to decide who's going to go to hell, who's going to go to heaven based on their, their actions or their mm-hmm. behavior. It also said that their king, the angel of the abyss, the name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek it's Apollyon. I'm sure I didn't say that correctly, but yeah. I had not heard that before. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, I, I have heard that Abaddon. There is a there is a village in in the area. I mean, uh, where I grew up, it's called Abaddon. Wow, yeah. I wouldn't want to live in that village. <laughs> no, and when we went um, our family reunion up in Michigan, we would go horseback riding in Hell, Michigan. And I used to always think when I was younger. Oh, my gosh, I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a study of, of hell, right, or, you know, of, of um, the, the lost in the afterlife is just so scary. Uh, you know, it's just, it gives me goosebumps to think about. And well, to know the that last it, verse, sorry, Tim, go ahead. I was going to say, and to know that it never ends. And, you know, that's, you know, there's, a, there's all kinds of terrible things that we could say about the place called hell, but, uh, I think the worst is knowing that you have awareness of time and it's forever. That that just oh, it makes me shudder. So well, I'm going to read this. Possession. Go ahead, we see in this demon possession, we see this you know person behaving violently, and and he said that he has a lot of demons. And Mary Magdalene, the Bible tells us that seven demons were cast out of. So. So the demon possession, look at all, you know, different grades and different uh, way people are bound by it. So it, it doesn't have to be just like how this person is for people to be demon possessed. It could be very subtle too. And and like how we hear all these uh, virus changes, you know, the, the mutates and becomes a variant. I'm, Wondering if these demons understand, oh, these people are taking us out. Let's change our our form here a little bit and become more subtle so that they won't even know we are in there. Uh, oh, that's a good thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we yeah. can't leave the abyss without leaving on an upswing. So let me read this last one. This is Revelation 21. 21. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we know who's victorious in the end. That's for sure. Yes. So in spite of all these, you know, there is a big uh, area of demons and whatnot, but the name of Jesus has power over this. Mm -hmm. And as long as we have that name and we have Jesus living in us, uh, we don't have to fear that. And, And God... Uh, protects us from these activities. Now, when we walk away from Jesus, we are open to these things. Uh, there is no question there. But as long as we are with Jesus, we don't have to fear these things. 
as uh, a lot of people probably are fearful of them. Uh, Now, we don't have to intentionally go digging into their world, but if uh, somebody comes across our path uh, and we need to pray for them, I think we don't have to be fearful. I remember one story from Pat Robertson, and he was actually talking on this subject, and he was saying that <laughs> that you better be right with God or you go and you know pray for somebody with this activity. And he gave an example from New York City, somebody in the bus, riding in the bus, and, and somebody did try to pray for that person or, or cast out, and they were attacked by that. So, so there is that element of this activity also. That, yeah. um, but, but we don't have to be fearful, you know, broadly speaking, uh, uh, but we definitely have to be discerning. Yeah. So I, I have a little bit of uh, my discerning tells me I should be a little fearful of this. <laughs> Um, because to me, when, when we are seeing someone who is demon-possessed, we're actually getting a glimpse of what's happening behind the curtain. We're getting a glimpse of the um, struggle between good and evil that's happening all around us. And, you know, we've had many discussions about this, and, and um, I would say that I have a healthy respect for the power of that that's happening around us all day, every day. And it's only by the grace of God that I feel protected by, by that. When, when I went to Haiti, it was palpable. Every day, everywhere I went, every situation, the struggle between good and evil was in my face. I, I could feel it. I mean, just stepping on that island and walking around, you could feel it. You know, I would go to to bed hearing voodoo and satanic worship um, in the, the air, and I would wake up to women singing praises of Christ. And it was so incredibly obvious. And, and I'm wondering when we say that, well, we're not seeing this here, we're not seeing the dynamic, demonic possession here maybe it's because we're following Christ I would like to hope that that is but I think another answer to that could be maybe it's because Satan has dangled all these pretty little trinkets in front of us that's caused our um, attention to Christ and our devotion to Christ and and lured us away with with other things, and so we're not we're busying ourselves with Candy Crush or TV or athletics or what whatever it is that we're um, epic implementations. What whatever it is that's taking yeah. our focus away from Christ, I think that's something we need to consider as well. Yeah, I mean, if we're not a threat to his plan to thwart God's plan, then he could leave us alone. Yeah. So I'm not so sure I want to pray that he won't leave me alone. (laughs) But I think you're you're right. I think um, if we're doing, I think we've all experienced it. I I sure know Sherry has experienced this. If you're doing God's work, God's going to attack you. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Devil. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think we're... Right, like the we, devil. Sorry. The, you're right. Yeah. You're right. The devil's going to attack you. I think we're, like we touched upon, I think we're, you know, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're safe uh, against possession, right? Because the Holy Spirit isn't going to let anything in when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean that we, you know, that we're not in danger from those around us. Um, but it's a spiritual battle. There's no doubt about it. Um, we think about mm-hmm. it in terms of physical danger, but, you know, it's not flesh and blood. It's not, you know, that's not who we wrestle against. And, um, and there's so much, so much impact that can happen just because of that spiritual battle. And, you know, you got to be, uh, you got to be prayed up, as they say, when you go into those circumstances. Yes, absolutely. There is no question there. Otherwise, don't go into those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Uh, what I noticed in myself is that before being born again, Obviously, I had no discernment of this, and I probably walked into these situations without knowing anything. And because, you know, where I grew up, this, this activity was all the time, everywhere. And, and you see it, and you probably are living with uh, a lot of these things. And maybe because of the culture, you're doing it yourself, too. But now I have, I can, I can sense it. And yeah. And and as you grow in Christ more and more, you get a better understanding of it that you obviously want to avoid it. You don't want to go into these things. And and also, but I do have this understanding that we don't have to be fearful because then, uh, you know, God, God, God's with us. We have the greater force with us because then it becomes a little more paralyzing for us. Uh, yeah. So I just go what the word says that you know god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind so even though we understand that these are forces they are beyond our understanding they are powerful and everything but we can rely on god's word and don't have to be fearful of them uh, but at the same time we don't know how to deal with them so we are staying out of their way but, but i don't uh, feel that we have to be fearful even though maybe at times I might have become fearful or I may become fearful, but that's why God's word is you go back to the word and meditate uh-huh. on it till mm-hmm. God removes that fear or apprehension or anxiety or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, you know I, there's different levels of fear, right? There's the fear that that is incapacitating and you can't move forward. And then there's the fear that you might get that um, that stimulates your attention and uh, gives you complete focus and uh, makes you respond so that you're up for the task. And I think that's the kind of fear that, that I have um, mm-hmm. with it because, I, you know, I've studied, a, I've studied the abyss. I've studied a lot of this in, in the study of um, end times and revelations, and um, I am drawn to that, that study but there, there is a knowledge of the power there and, and respect for that that I, that I also have. Yeah, no, but, that's you know, I think, said. Yeah, that's the, I, I would say that's a good kind of fear. That's just giving us discernment, giving us knowledge of it. And I, I, I don't think that's the fear the Bible is talking about, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. God, the, the fear that we're... The Bible is talking about is the fear that puts us puts us in bondage. That probably is that paralyzing kind of fear. Uh, 
but if 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 there is a level of fear that gives us a little more information and helps us to be careful and and uh, and avoid getting hurt or uh, you know that's that's the good kind of fear and, and i believe that's we, we should have that i think we are on the same page dr b yeah but sherry sorry yes. we interrupted you no 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 um so i think that we need to be really careful um and this is a great conversation because let me tell you what i honestly believe this country was founded on the principles of christianity in god we trust I mean, there's a reason that we haven't seen a lot of this kind of stuff in this country. Um, you know, if you look, if, if the Bible was continuing to be, we've said this a million times, but if the Bible was continuing to be written, that there would be a chapter in there about the United States and how they, you know, believed in God and, and all that kind of stuff. And then what happened to them? So my gut tells me that because of the way this country has changed, that we're not under the protections of God the same way that we were at one point. And it makes me wonder if we're going to start to see a lot of things here that we have never seen mm-hmm. before. And our reaction, the stuff that Cheryl and Sunil were talking about, we have to really figure this out and understand what it is. And always the answer comes back to stay in scripture so that you know what to do. Because I feel like this is going to be a changing time starting probably 10 years ago, but definitely as of today. We really need to start thinking about not if, but when we're confronted, what do we do? Yeah, and I think Christians need to take that to heart when they uh, when they vote for putting, you know, who's going to be in charge because um, it's a time for national the need. It's a time for the need of national repentance. You know, we talk a, we talk a lot about our salvation from an individual perspective, and each one of us individually needs to accept Christ in our lives, right? But but there's a there's such a thing as a national repentance as well. And um, and we need to you know we need to keep that in mind, Sherry, just like you said, because uh, when the nation turns its back on God, uh, you know those nations um, at some point no longer exist, and that's real. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the campaign is how to vote like a Christian. That should be the campaign in every church, right. everywhere, every you know every opportunity. There should be a national Christian campaign on how to vote like a Christian, what to look for. Obviously, the number one thing is no killing of babies. Right. You know, but I really think that that's important. And I don't think that people, we, we hear the word abortion so much. It's kind of like, I remember thinking C-section. And people would say, think C-section, and they would think no big deal because the word is so common. But it's major abdominal surgery. <laughs> and I right. used to always be amazed that people were so lackadaisical about it. But that's what's happened with abortion. It's such a, you know, mar- um Oh, the word just left me, but it's such a common term that people don't even associate that with, you're killing babies. And this is exactly what God talked about in the Bible. And I know that Cheryl said that a million times before, but it's just how to vote like a Christian. I wish we could figure out a way to get it to be a national campaign. Yeah, I mean, and and just not only have we been desensitized to the, the term abortion, um, but all of the bills that deal with abortion are cloaked in in more benign terms, right? Because they call it choice, and it's you know it's my body, it's my choice, and it's times like COVID that really reveal the true uh, agenda of these people who want to say it's my body, my choice, because it's my body, my choice when I when I want to make the choice to kill my baby, 
but it's not my body, my choice when I make when I want to make the choice not to get a, a experimental vaccine. And and so you can really start to see, you know, the inconsistencies in people's standards. Uh, you know, I and things like that. that. Yeah. Well, so not only that, Tim. I mean, I, I I agree with you. I've thought of that for for a long time. But not only that, in in abortion, all many of these people who go out and support abortion are supporting it because they're trying to be kind to these people who are in a difficult situation, right? They're trying to think, I'm thinking of others. I would never do this, but I'm thinking of others. And yet they're not thinking of, uh, or, I'm sorry, let's not, not abortion. I'm talking about the, the vaccine. I'm thinking of others. I want to protect others so I don't hurt others right that's why we should do it because we don't want to spread it to other people i'm going to take this vaccine because i'm you know altruistic on the other hand they're not thinking about that with abortion because they're not certainly not thinking about that little baby that's being killed well so i know that i've said this before but seriously we are all on different social media platforms in different ways honestly truly i think that we should take a stab at, I can picture the, the document, the word document, how to vote like a Christian with however many bullet points, no more than what, it, it'll probably end up being no more than six or seven. But I think that it we should, should be, think about that. <laughs> we should make it okay, 10. What? We should make it 10. Okay. Yep. Yep. Because the 10 commandments of, we could, of... We could just give them the 10 commandments. That should satisfy. Right. Exactly. But you know what we should do is we should do the 10 commandments and we should put out beside it like thou shalt not kill, and then we should put babies in abortion. You know, I mean, we should apply it and, and think about this. We should take a stab at coming up with what are the, if we don't do the Ten Commandments, what are the things that you would look for to vote like a Christian? And next week, we should compare our notes, and we should start putting it out there. I mean, we could take a picture yeah, there was of the... Something, of what, there was something like that circulated before the election last year, or I mean, last, yeah, I guess it was last year. My goodness, it seems like we've been been a longer time. But um, I remember seeing something like that on Facebook. Maybe we can find that. Yep, and add to and, it and, and build on knowledge. that. Yeah. Yep. I, I have but, you seen know, that from different organizations. They give you, you know, these are the things you should look. And they even, I think they tell you, whoever is in your area, how that person is uh, – is measuring up to those things. They give some point uh, uh, numbers to them. So these, none of these things are out there. If we look at on the internet, we can find some things like that. Yeah, uh, Daryl Bach wrote a book called How Would Jesus Vote? Do oh, wow. your political positions really align with the Bible? So my question to us is actually mostly to Tim. So many preachers do not address this directly. And I'm thinking the reason they do not is not out of confusion of of their beliefs, but out of fear of losing their not-for-profit status and having the government come in and um, somehow sanction the church. Mm -hmm. Do you you think that that's... Yeah, that's one of the examples. Yeah, I think it's true. That's the examples of... uh, One of the examples of the love of money being the root of all evil. Right. I think another part of it is, you know, the Bible says that as we approach the end times, uh, people will be more eager to, you know, to listen to uh, preaching that will scratch their itchy ears or whatever it says. You know, so I think not only are they afraid to 
lose their nonprofit status, but they're afraid to lose their congregation. And you know, um, the the willingness of people to listen to you know the the word preach uh, actually means to jab or to stab, and you know it's different than teaching. Right, teaching is edifying. It, it it helps people understand the scripture, how to apply it. Like Sherry said, we need to put application in there. But preaching is designed to to stab someone right in the heart. Um, it's it's designed to pierce people with the truth. And um and I think pastors are afraid that when you pierce people with the truth, they'll stop coming. And um that's a sad state of affairs because preaching should be you know should be uh, convict you know should result in conviction so people turn to Christ. Yeah, but when you have people that take offense to anything that makes them uncomfortable, what do you do with that? I mean, yeah, I mean, think about that. Yeah, that's where the whole uh, the whole of the body of Christ comes into play, right? And when you think about evangelism, that's different than preaching on Sunday, right? So you know, love, perfect love, casts out fear. So you know, there you know, it takes um, the effort of the entire body uh, to help people see the truth of Christ. But unless they unless they accept that truth and accept the Holy Spirit, I don't think it's going to change. So I, I think I'm taking a little bit different view of this, the responsibility of the pastors and why pastors are careful uh, with all this. And so I don't think the pastor, I don't fault the pastors that much. I'm sure there are pastors who may be not all that good. But by and large, I think the pastors are good and they... They are serving God to the best of their ability, and and they have to be careful with the government. Although in the United States it's not as bad, pastors are saying pretty much what they're, they, you know, they they think that the Bible is saying. So, and and also I, I can't even believe these uh, how the society will function without these pastors and without these churches. I mean, it has such an effect. Uh, if we are seeing some peace and quiet and everybody living their life, I think it's because of these churches and these pastors uh, who have their congregation. And I can tell from my own church, uh, a lot of people in my church live in difficult neighborhoods. And if it was not uh, for the church and them bringing their children week after week, uh, I don't think they would be where they are today. So the church has and these pastors, I have a lot of respect for them. And, 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 and they do, you know, they have to follow the law of the land. And uh, so they are doing their best. And they are praying and believing. And none of them want to do things that are not in the Bible. Now we have differences of interpretation and different denominations and, and all these things. There are some liberal and some conservative, some in the middle. But by and large, I think, thank God for these pastors. Uh, I am a firm believer of that. And thank God for these churches that are preaching and somehow keeping people uh, constrained and, you know, learning and all that. And I myself have benefited tremendously uh, from that. So, yeah. uh, and, and it'll unfold. We don't know what's there in the future, how this is going to go, or what God allows or not allows. Because God himself has a big big part in this. It's not all the devil running the show. Uh, God has, God allows certain things, and God uh, restrains certain things. So, so we'll see what's God's plan. But yeah. overall, I think pastors are serving us well. 
and the churches are doing a great job. I think so, too, and I agree with that, um, except for the truth is things are calm when people aren't challenged. And to Cheryl's point, um, one of the biggest things that's repeated in the Bible is the killing of children and babies. And as a whole, I think that a lot of pastors avoid attacking and really going after the big challenge, which has been so... um, What's the word I want to say? I keep saying marginalized, but that means over to the side. I'm talking mainstream. You know, abortion is so mainstream that it's difficult to address that, and it's a very serious topic to God. And it's like so I, I, I think, right? It's like homosexuality. It's so common and mainstream that it's accepted more, even though it's some of the worst that's discussed in the Bible. So, I mean, I agree with you, Sunil, that they're doing a great job, but I also agree with Cheryl that they do tend to avoid the tough topics, um, and maybe that's the plan, maybe that's what's supposed to happen, but there's no doubt that you don't hear them stepping out and saying, I don't care what you think, this is wrong about those two topics, and that's yeah. tough. So yeah. I think, I think what, I, what I'm trying to say, and what Sunil said is absolutely right. Obviously, um, we all have a church family, we all love our pastors, and we feel we wouldn't be going to those churches if we didn't think our pastor was doing a fabulous uh, job, and and I'm not necessarily talking about our pastors uh, per se, but if you think about folks who are um, militant for abortion, for some of these other things that we know are um, in the Bible that God calls a sin, and they're going, they're professing that they're going to a church, and if that pastor I have to wonder if that pastor is tying the message to the reality of our world or are they speaking in um, metaphor or generalizations or, you know, they're they're giving the message thinking, okay, um, uh, sheep, you're going to figure this out instead of being very concrete to say, you know, abortion is a sin. You're killing a baby. And if, if we're not saying that, I don't know how people can continue to say that they are a Christian, a Catholic, a, um, a Bible-believing person if they can accept that that is, is okay. And I, I just would, um, so I think my, my, my challenge is, you know, in, in trying to point these things out, we can do that. How much more powerful would it be if a um, pastor could point those things out to their um, parishioners? Because those parishioners go to that and they look at the pastor as the leader. I I just think that that would be um, powerful. We certainly can reach people who perhaps don't have a pastor like that, but I just find it interesting how how our society shuns... uh, and some of our pastors in our society shun away from that topic. Yeah, and, and uh, for anybody who thinks that um, that that discussing those political policy issues uh, would jeopardize 501c3, it doesn't, right? The only thing that we can't do as pastors is endorse candidates. So uh, it's perfectly acceptable from a legal standpoint, if that's a concern, uh, to talk about policy issues. Yeah, and maybe my knowledge of these pastors is coming from because my the pastors I've been associated with 
they talk actually more on these subjects mm-hmm. uh, and and they are very strong in these things and 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 these are and you will find a lot of good pastors they are even ready to forego whatever the government wants yeah. to take but they are not going to go against the truth so oh, that's good. yeah they are uh, these people are strong and uh, uh, they are totally with the bible and and i have been closely associated with these people so i've seen them from close quarters they mean it but but they are full of wisdom they know how to deal with the devil too uh, like recently uh, we had in our church uh, you know we had a little uh, struggle with the township and what not and i was able to uh, witness some of these things and and see the pastor's wisdom how to deal with the the political side of things uh, as well uh, but but speaking the truth they are pretty strong there they, they are not compromising because they know if we compromise then what are we we are not we don't belong to god then right then um, we are just fooling ourselves <laughs> and all these this time that we have put in all these years that's for not so, so you can't compromise but i i agree there may be other people because I, I i know in my church i teach this membership class and they have written it out in those documents that that's what we believe in wow. so that you know before you come to this church you understand that this is our belief and if it's not agreeable uh, you have uh, still time to leave <laughs> well you know points to the big topic that's going to be getting bigger and bigger as things get worse that is at what point are you going to stand your ground and at what point are you focused on self-preservation whether it's i'll lose my job over the vaccine or because that's no matter what the consequence you're not crossing this line and i and what scares me is that a lot of people in the united states keep moving that line back as it as it becomes reality they're into self-preservation more than they are their principles yeah um and that's frightening it's like in columbine i was so proud of the girl you know she was hiding under a desk and when the the student with the weapon found her he pointed a gun at her head and said do you believe in god and she said yes and he shot her and there were so many people i remember we talked about this before there were so many people that said why would she say that and i thought what better way to go than than giving your allegiance to god you know she went to heaven <laughs> but i would have never thought about saying no to stay alive yeah. how could she not? That yeah exactly but this is coming for for christians to have to decide where where's the line in the sand for them and i think that's a tough thing that churches will be dealing with so i hope these pastors all you know eat their weed or eat their weedies because they're going to need it it's, we're going to uh, need them shore up their faith but, uh, praise god that there are um many many more good pastors than there are bad ones um amen and the you know the the wheat will be separated from the chaff, so to speak, uh, you know, in the coming years. I'm sure. But let's. Uh, let's the wheaties. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's close today's uh, discussion with a prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you so much for your word and for the discussions that you guide. Uh, we know that you're here and that the Holy Spirit guides these discussions. You can sometimes we have plans on what we're going to read, and and you take over, and we just praise you for that, Lord. Uh, we ask that you uh, help to encourage us and to strengthen us in our faith. Uh, we want to know the truth, and, and we hope, Lord, that through these discussions we get to the truth. And through the, through the help of the Holy Spirit, you illuminate our, uh, our minds 
to what that truth is and then and then give us the courage and the conviction to apply that to our lives and so lord we just pray that you use us and all of those that are faithful to you to to be able to discern the right things to say and the right things to do uh in this confusing and fallen world sometimes it's hard it's hard for us to see clearly the path that we should take and the dangers that we should subject ourselves to even though we know that you're there to support us and to come and to uh, to put a hedge of protection around us and to protect us in those situations. Um, it still sometimes can be confusing to us. But Lord, we know that you are not the author of confusion. So help us to have trust in that, to trust in those promises that you will strengthen us in those situations, that you will lead us in ways that are going to be bringing glory to you and furthering your will. Because no matter what it is that we pray for, Lord, we want your will to be done and so we ask that you bless us in that uh, in that desire and that you bring us closer to you and we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ amen amen uh, one one parting thought <laughs> while we were praying I believe the Holy Spirit brought it and that was uh, that Elijah when he uh, he was complaining to God that I'm the only one left when Jezebel was after him to kill him and God told him that there are 70 more who did not bow their knee to Baal uh, so that was one that there are a lot of other people like us uh, we are not a minority so that's one thought second is uh, uh, I believe it was uh, a war and uh, I don't know which prophet was it and and he prayed, and God showed him how many people, how many angels are surrounding. I think it could be Elijah. It was Elijah and, and his servant, yeah. Yeah, Elijah and Gehazi, his servant. And God showed him that <laughs> you are covered with more people than your enemies, so don't worry about these mm-hmm. enemies. So there may be a lot more good people who believe in the truth than is visible to us. So just to take courage with that. So I think the Holy Spirit was bringing that to my mind, uh, that this is not just finished here or, you know, the world's not coming to an end like that. There are a lot of people on God's side that that are on devil's side, but the devil would like us to believe that there are more people with him. True. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good reminder. I needed that today. Thanks, Sunil. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let me stop uh, the recording here. This has been a production of the Fish Meeting Bible Study Group. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week as we continue our study of God's Word. Until then, live what you learned.